Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today's show, we will cover Mining Terms 101. Joining us for this very critical foundational discussion is the mercenary geologist, Mickey Fulp. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me once again, Maurice. Mickey, before we begin, for the first-time listener, please share your website, The Mercenary Geologist. Uh, MercenaryGeologist.com. Uh, I write, I speak, lots of interviews, videos, so I encourage everyone to uh, get to go check it out. Now, Mickey, you wrote the primer for the lay investor over eight years ago, and one of the reasons we're reintroducing this topic again is because we want to prepare this new generation of speculators for the most favorable outcome in their natural resource endeavors. So let's begin with the most fundamental of fundamentals, and that is what is an ore? An ore is a rock or a mineral that can be recovered at a profit, and I want to emphasize the phrase at a profit. All right. Now let's compare and contrast that with an ore deposit. Well, they're basically the same thing. An ore deposit is this mass of rock or mineral that can be developed, mined, processed, and delivered to the marketplace at a profit. So for investors, it's key to recognize that you're looking for an ore deposit. Because, Mickey, in your experience as well as mine, we tend to see uh, issuers use terms to somewhat, I would say, I don't know, would it be fair to say they're disingenuous for the lay yeah, investor? I would, right. I think they muddy the waters in these concepts. And I dare say that lots of uh, a significant number of technical people in the, in the business don't really understand what an ore deposit actually is. And that leads us to this next question here. And uh, most investors in the exploration and mining sector have little understanding of the difference between a mineral resource and a mineral reserve. Can you give us some background and how they are defined? Uh, yeah, mineral resources and mineral reserves are divine, defined by various securities, regulatory, and taxation agencies in the English-speaking world. Um, no matter what stock exchange you are operating under, there will be uh, strict rules as to what constitutes a mineral resource and a reserve. And since most of the uh, junior resource speculators in North America are dealing mainly with the Toronto Stock Exchange companies, uh, we are governed uh, by the Canadian Institute of Mining, Metallurgy and Petroleum uh, uh, classification system commonly called National 43-101 regulations and they define the key difference between mineral resources and mineral reserves and really it's summed up in three simple words at a profit. So the difference really is this first is a res you have a resource and you're hoping that the resource comes to fruition to be a reserve am I correct? That's exactly right. So a mineral resource is a concentration of material, minerals or rocks, with reasonable prospects for economic extraction. Whereas a mineral reserve has been shown to be the economically mineable part of a mineral resource. 
Mickey, under mineral resources, we have the terms inferred, indicated, and measured. Can you explain those a little bit further? Yeah, those are in the order of increasing geological confidence. So inferred resources are the ones that are le least amount of data and least amount of confidence. And as you increase that confidence, you go to indicated resources and measured re resources. Um, the confidence level, the key to this is the confidence level in inferred resources are insufficient to enable an economic evaluation. That's very critical for our listeners to understand. Now, Mickey, how do we move from a resource to a reserve? Well, that's when uh, mitigating factors, these so-called additional factors, come into play. And so you take a resource estimate, and then you look at the mining, the processing, the metallurgical, the economic, the legal, the socioeconomic factors to uh, move those indicated and measured resources into proven or probable reserves. And those uh, mineral reserves, the probable mineral reserve has less confidence in the economic viability than through proven mineral reserves. You know, I had no pun intended here, but uh, proven and probable reserves really resonate with us on this show here. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Well, that's one of the reasons we decided to do this show under your guise, of course, Maurice. <laughs> I recall the conversation that uh, created this uh, today's interview. Now that we've covered uh, resource and reserves, uh, we often hear the terms of 43101, a PEA, pre-feasibility and feasibility. Uh, can you share something about these documents with us? Sure. So the resource estimate is the first uh, geological uh, document that is produced and it's basically a compilation of inferred uh, indicated and or measured resources with no economic factors put into that. The PEA which stands for preliminary economic assessment is uh, what is a public document now and it in previous times those documents were never made public and they were called internal scoping studies. So those are studies that the company generally does internally in the attempt to determine possible economic factors and whether this deposit uh, has a chance to become a viable reserve and uh, with a feasibility study. So uh, from that point of view, a preliminary economic assessment is got little value uh, to engineers and geologists, but it is increasingly uh, used as a promotional document uh, for speculators in the public venue. Now, may I stop you there briefly? As a geologist, when you look at the PEA, is there something that you're looking for immediately to uh, select or deselect a, a, an issuer? Uh, I don't pay much attention to preliminary economic assessments because uh, uh, they uh, they use inferred resources 
in those c companies commonly use inferred resources and try to make economic evaluations of those and under the terms of the 43101 regu regulations and other regulations throughout the world remember what i said and inferred mineral resources has insufficient data and confidence to enable an evaluation of, of an economic viability worthy of public disclosure. So in my opinion, PEAs are, are basically worthless documents from a technical point of view uh, and only used for promotion of, of a project. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Again, when I attend conferences, I do hear uh, these a lot of issuers they tout the PEA and it sounds enticing to the lay investor. So thank you for the clarification here. Let's move forward to pre-feasibility and feasibility. Yeah, so a pre-feasibility is the first attempt to uh, apply what's called the uh, the modifying factors uh, and the consideration of mining, metallurgical, economic, marketing, legal, environmental, social, governmental factors on this mineral uh, uh, deposit or a mineral occurrence, let's say, and attempt to put economic uh, uh, factors into that to determine really if it's uh, viable to go forward to a pure, uh, entirely feasibility study. All right. And the, again, I want to just get your perspective as a geologist from a pre-feasibility and a fee feasibility study. Are there certain factors that you're looking for that either select or deselect an issuer for you? Yeah, so there's lots of uh, parameters that are used. There's lots of fudge factors that are used to make uh, preliminary feasibility studies and even feasibility studies to look positive. Uh, I will ask a rhetorical question. Uh, are you aware of any pre-feasibility study that has ever been done or feasibility study that uh, was negative? No. Uh, companies and the engineers they hire are generally uh, trying to modify these factors to develop a positive uh, study. Uh, I would also remind the listeners that for every failed mine, there was a positive feasibility study. So uh, you need to bear that in mind. I have enough... Uh, uh, experience with these studies that there are a whole number of red flags that I can look at the summary of a feasibility or pre-feasibility study and determine where they fudged the factors or modified this or that to uh, to make uh, the scenario look better. Uh, a, a feasibility study of any kind is basically your best foot forward. So uh, if everything would work out perfectly, uh, the uh, numbers published in a, in a feasibility study would pan out. But as we know in the real world, uh, nothing works out perfectly. In fact, <laughs> I've written about the fact that perfect is, uh, does not exist in the real world. Again, thank you for that clarification. And as we move forward in future discussions, I just want to share with listeners, uh, 
please visit the Mercenary Geologist website and take a look at previous discussions regarding the subject matter, but we will delve into the subject matter much more in-depth and in-detailed. And Mickey, if I may ask you this as well, for the third-party entities that conduct these, uh, these documents, are there some that you, I would say, uh, have more credibility than others? Well, I certainly think uh, that there are organizations with more credibility than others. But I would also caution the speculator to realize that the consulting engineers and geologists that do these studies are hired by the specific company, and they are in competition with other uh, engineers and consultants and geologists. So uh, they have a vested interest in and putting out documents that uh, please the company, if you will. Um, there is one other point that I would make that uh, these modifying factors and feasibility studies can change drastically over time. So what was or yesterday is not always or today and may or may not be or tomorrow. Mickey, today's discussion was short, sweet, and succinct. Uh, last question, what did I forget to ask? Well, I would just emphasize that uh, the speculator should always remember the definition of or at a profit. Mickey, if listeners want to contact you and become a subscriber, how simple is the process? Well, it's pretty simple. It's a free subscription service, uh, mercenarygeologist.com. Uh, right below my mugshot, it says free subscription. Click here. You give us a name and an email address. We don't even care if the name is real or not, but your email address has to be real. And uh, you will get uh, a notice from me every Sunday that gives all the products I posted over the past week. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com. Through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, we offer gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, offshore storage accounts, precious metals IRAs, and safe deposit boxes, which are fully insured and secured by Brinks. The website, again, is www.provenandprobable.com. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.